0: Have you ever walked past a dumpster and been like, yo, I wonder what's in that
1: dumpster?
2: <laughs> I can put on these glasses. Let's start eating that fast. Yeah, there's a baby in the kind of energy I want to feel!
1: You're listening to the True Crime Dumpster Podcast with hosts Amy and... Kevin. And... Mason. Who is our special guest host as we are up here in Portland.
2: Sunny Portland, Oregon.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I storm Portland.
0: It's beautiful. Me and Mason go way back. We started portland's first black metal band together mm-hmm. and the infernal is was the name of that mm-hmm. good times there and he's gone from there and he's uh, an entrepreneur and portland celebrity <laughs> in some circles
2: infamous infamous most a hated word. most hated
1: <laughs> so one of the things that mason has quite a bit of knowledge of is professional wrestling because uh you're a professional wrestler right
2: <laughs> <laughs> i physically look like one just uh, five feet short shorter <laughs> than a normal wrestler <laughs> but i got the girth
1: gotcha so uh when did you become a wrestling fan
2: well my family was always really ingrained in portland wrestling uh my mom's friend growing up was the wife of a Portland wrestler Haru Sasaki so I've always just been a big big wrestling fan my family really weren't fans like me but I was just always just in love with wrestling ever since I was a kid you know heavy metal and wrestling you know go (laughs) hand in hand and horror movies they all go hand in hand dude stuff you wouldn't get it Amy
1: no I get it there's some wrestlers I like Mm-hmm. there's probably lots of
0: wrestlers you like because they're so hot
1: <laughs> they're ver- so hunky i think <laughs> it's the haircuts <laughs> but there is definitely a dark side to wrestling is that right
2: oh yeah oh yeah there's a, a lot of drugs a lot of sex a lot of uh you know just uh a lot of bad stuff
0: why is that the dark side that sounds pretty fun <laughs>
1: so what are some memorable like i don't know when it comes to like true crime and stuff what are the first things that come to mind when you think about like wrestling like the people that come to mind
2: well you know the the main one the most popular one is definitely chris benoit Mm
1: -hmm.
2: i'm I'm sure everyone knows the story about him murdering his wife and child and then killing and if you don't
1: that's kind of what this episode's about (laughs) yes (laughs) i haven't
2: put that
0: one together yet
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. A very tragic, very sad story. Mm-hmm. Very fucked up story. But yeah, such is life.
1: And not a case that we'll be discussing today, but you were telling me, I keep getting the name wrong, but about Snooka. Like, yeah. can, can you just tell us a little anecdote about that? Snooka. Snooka, not yeah. Snooky. Snooka. Yeah.
2: Jimmy Superfly Snooka. Yeah, he supposedly murdered his wife, not his wife, his girlfriend in the 80s murdered her in his hotel room motel room beat her to death before one of his matches
1: and this was back in the 80s yeah yeah
2: yeah i i think he beat her really badly and then she died while he was at the match and he came back and she was dead wow yeah so she like you know died from whatever he did to her and the big cover-up he said she slipped and fell it was just you know pretty freaking awful you know
1: and then, where does Vince McMahon play in all of this, and who is he?
2: Well, Vince McMahon is the promoter, owner of the WWF, um, the biggest WWE now, the biggest pro wrestling organization in the world. As the story goes, is he uh, Superfly Snooker was the one of his top draws at the time, and he didn't want the bad notoriety, obviously, and wanted to get his guy off, and he, you know, showed up at the little town. That the crime occurred with a, a suitcase full of money and paid off everybody, and mm. it went away until just recently, yeah. when yeah, when the the it it all came out again. Some reporter dug up the story, and it drew interest in the story, and um, it got back into the limelight. He, I think, I'm not sure. I think he was convicted of the crime post mortem because he was. He was uh, too sick to stand trial. He had dementia, mm-hmm. and so they didn't have him stand trial. And he died like, I think weeks after the he murder. the yeah yeah. I, yeah weeks after the trial. You mm-hmm. know, now,
0: where's Vince McMahon sit in all of that
2: with his suitcase of money? Yeah, well, yeah where does he sit? I mean, yeah. he just he just he just paid off and just you know it was bad for business. He wasn't
1: implicated in any of it. No, mm.
2: no, it was all hearsay. But you know this is in the early early yeah, yeah. 80s yeah
0: i mean suitcases of money make lots of things go away yep 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 tried and true
1: <laughs> so just for the people like who don't like you know myself i don't quite know as much about wrestling as you guys like what are
0: i'll show you the camel clutch <laughs> later
1: <laughs> what, what are the different, is, is there just one company now or are there several like who folded over the years?
2: Oh, there's many, many companies now. There's two major ones. Well, there's three major ones. There's uh, new Japan in Japan, obviously AEW, all elite wrestling and WWE right okay.
1: now. Yeah. So WWF is gone. Wait, it's, it's just turned WWE. Turned WWE. They had is, change. is it because of the World Wildlife Fund? Yes. Yes. Oh, okay. Yep. <laughs> Fucking hippies. Yeah. Hey.
2: Yeah, they had to change the name. Really? Wow. Yep. Yep.
0: Alright, well let's get into this shit. So some say professional wrestling is fake.
1: Is it, Mason?
0: Uh it's it's well we're gonna I get mean, into it. <laughs> <laughs> just a bunch of roided out maniacs and tights acting out of play. Not totally wrong. <laughs> While professional wrestling is scripted, With storylines and predetermined winners and losers, the level of athleticism and the commitment to the art is very real. Also very real are the injuries sustained and the cumulative effects of years of head trauma and concussions. Same with professional football players and boxers. These head injuries can lead to dangerous personality disorders and violence. Chris Benoit is a prime example of this. Christopher Michael Benoit was a Canadian professional wrestler. During his 22-year career, he worked for numerous promotions, including WWF, WWE, you know, we just talked about that, WCW, which was World Championship Wrestling.
1: And that doesn't exist anymore?
0: No. Oh, okay. WWE bought it.
1: Oh, gotcha. Yeah,
0: folded it. And then there was ECW, which is Extreme Championship Wrestling. WWE bought that, too. Wow. Hmm. Mm-hmm. and like you mentioned earlier New Japan Pro Wrestling and uh, that was in your bio
2: yeah oh there you go <laughs>
0: <laughs> so Chris Benoit
2: was he's seen as one of the greatest of all times of wrestling yeah uh, his style was his nickname was Wolverine because he looked like a Wolverine he was short and was brick shithouse he was a brick shit house. yeah Canada churns out a lot of brick shithouses.
0: They're very polite ones. So Benoit was born in Montreal, Quebec, May 21st, 1967, the son of Michael and Margaret Benoit. The family moved to Edmonton, Alberta, when Chris was young. His attraction to wrestling started early. At 12 years old, Benoit went to a match where Tom Dynamite Kid Billington and Bret Hart both performed, leaving a lasting impression. Benoit would even adopt some of these moves later on, namely Bret Hart's signature sharpshooter finishing hold. Am I correct? You are correct. I forgot about that. Yeah. What, what's what's right.
1: a sharpshooter finishing hold? Can you um, describe it? You
2: get so, on the floor. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, the your opponent lies on his stomach, and you lie on you sit on his back and pull his legs up like over your shoulder, like you're bending uh, him, bending him back. I guess that's a way I can describe it. <laughs> so Benoit starts training to become a wrestler
0: himself at the Hart family dungeon under the instruction of Stu Hart. Thank you, creature. Stu Hart's the family patriarch and head of the Hart wrestling family. During the period when Stu Hart was regularly training individuals at the school, it held a reputation for being one of the harshest wrestling schools in the world. Graduating from it was considered very impressive and something which would be brought up on air on televised wrestling shows. Hart himself also garnered a reputation for being borderline sadistic in his training techniques and was known to torture his pupils with his grueling regiments. Buddy Roberts, do you know who he is? Mm-hmm. That's good. Descri- <laughs> <laughs> he described the place, quote, like a torture chamber. In contrast to his descendants, Stu never took money for his training services and did it mostly for the love of the art form of professional wrestling. Pretty cool. Benoit said in a WWE interview of this place, quote, I take a lot of pride in being one of the last guys that had the hands-on training from Stu Hart when I went to the Hart family to train. It was a good experience just to be there. To imagine all the people that had been there, though... And all the blood, sweat, and tears that had been paid. Going to the Hart family was, for training was kind of like, if you're a very religious person, going to the Vatican.
1: What's, what's Bret Hart known more for? Oh, was that the sharpshooter guy? Yeah. Oh, yep. okay.
2: Yep. The ex- what was his,
1: did he have like a, a wrestling name?
2: Uh, Hitman. Oh. The, um, the excellence of execution was his little tagline. Oh. Ah. Or the best there is, the best there was, the best there ever will be. He was. He was like a a ring general. He was like one of the best technical wrestlers ever to this day. Aside from professional
0: wrestlers, the dungeon provided training grounds for various athletes from strongmen to football players. That I did not know. Yeah. The internet's full of information. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The dungeon went on to become involved in the wrestling world. So people that went to that place, you know, obviously Bret and Owen Hart, Mm Mm-hmm. But other graduates were Billy Graham, Greg Valentine, Alan Koage, Davey Boy Smith, I remember him, yep. Brian Pillman, Justin Thunder Liger, Ricky Fuji, Chris Jericho, Lance Storm, yeah, so a whole slew. Benoit began his career in 1985 in Stu Hart's Stampede Wrestling promotion. From the beginning, similarities between Benoit and Billington were apparent as Benoit adopted many of his moods, such as the diving headbutt and the snap suplex. The homage was complete with his initial billing as dynamite Chris Benoit. All
1: right, the diving headbutt seems self-explanatory, but what's a snap suplex?
2: It's just a real fast suplex. A what? suplex is just flipping somebody over your head on their back. <laughs> yeah, and he would just do it just really aggressively.
1: And even though they're acting like this shit really hurts, right?
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's ways to take, they call it taking a bump. You know, um, there's a ways to take the bump where you're not going to hurt yourself as bad. You know, they know how to land flat on their back and not on a shoulder or their, you know, their head. So that's what the training is for. It's basically how to take bumps.
1: Mm.
2: Right.
0: Because the person getting hit
2: is the one really performing the move, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, if you're just sandbagging everything, th- those snap suplexes are gonna look like shit, you know. But if you're going with it and you know how to, right. you know, Take it, sell then, it, yeah, sell it exactly. Yeah. Then you
0: know that's what it's about. So according to Benoit, in his first match, he attempted the diving headbutt before learning how to land correctly and had the wind knocked out of him. He said he would never do the move again at that point. Yet this flying headbutt would become one of his signature moves one that obviously might not be too good for the old noggin. But this is just one way Benoit turned his brain to Swiss cheese. There are many more over the span of his career, like steel chairs to the back of the head. In boxing, you can't even punch someone in the back of the head, and this dude was taking steel chairs to it. His dedication to the sport is really amazing. So basically, Benoit spent 22 years of his life concussed, and that's not too good for the brain. So Benoit began ras- uh, wrestling, wrestling, wrestling <laughs> in Japan in the NLPW, the New Japan Wrestling Organization, in '86 under his real name, and in '89 he started wearing a mask and assuming the name of the Pegasus Kid.
1: Why is it the Pegasus Kid?
2: Japan, uh, oh. Japan. Oh, it's a Japan thing. Yeah, Japan. They always. That doesn't sound tough at all. Yeah, they. Japan has really bizarre gimmicks that. I never really understand, but yeah, a lot of. I mean, they more made masks. up Mothra too, so. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no. Terrifying. Mexico and Japan—they're really into masks. Uh, not so much Japan anymore, oh. but in, you know, the '90s, mm-hmm. a lot of masks. So.
1: So did he have a Pegasus mask?
2: Um, I think it had like. Like yeah, it had like little wings on it. If I remember correctly, I don't I think they were just embroidered on the mask though. I don't think they were like It was like a Hello Kitty with wings. Yeah.
0: (laughs) So Benoit said numerous times that originally he hated the mask, but it kinda became part of him. While with the NJPW he came into his own as a performer. In August nineteen ninety he won his first major championship, the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship. From Jushin Thunder Liger. Yep. I can't say that very well. <laughs> Wrestling in Japan is a bit more stream than in the States. The fans are more rabid and they
2: demand more insane, high flying, dangerous moves. The mm, Jap- I don't know about that. Yeah? Yeah, no. The Japanese fans are very conservative. Like, they sit down the entire match.
1: There's no, like, cheering or necessarily... No, and
2: then they, like, they like, politely clap. You know, I would say the matches are a lot more stiff and more realistic but they're they're very conservative mm. in the arenas.
1: Hmm. Well, do you regularly watch Japanese pro wrestling?
2: No. I mean, I I do, but I'm not a big Japanese wrestling fan. Someone lied to me.
1: The internet.
2: <laughs> but yeah, it
0: seems like Japanese people kind of take some things. I mean, they are quiet people usually, but like in like, you know, punk rock and stuff, like some of those fuckers look insane like
2: it's yeah like more extreme than yeah you know well they love american monsters like when i say monsters i mean like monster wrestlers like when the the road warriors went to japan they were huge you know they you know giant baba was like this monster of a japanese man and he was probably the biggest wrestler ever in japan they just love like larger than life americans so benoit first came to
0: World Championship Wrestling, or the WCW, in June of '92, teaming up with fellow Canadian wrestler Biff Wellington for the NWA World Tag Team Championship tournament, where they were defeated by Brian Pillman and Jush. Here we go, Josh and Thunder Liger, mm-hmm. in the first round at Clash of the Champions. In August '94, Benoit began working with Extreme Championship Wrestling, in between tours of Japan. He was booked as a dominant wrestler there, gaining notoriety as the Crippler. Mm -hmm. At November to remember, Benoit accidentally broke Sabu's neck within the opening seconds of a match. The injury came when Benoit threw Sabu with the intention that he take a face-first pancake bump, but Sabu attempted to turn mid-air and take a backdrop bump instead. He did not achieve full rotation and landed almost directly on his neck. Benoit was distraught over possibly paralyzing one of his co- co-workers but was living up to his name. Mm-hmm. Did Sabu get paralyzed? Uh, no. Because, nope. yeah, I think yeah. they fought fairly recently after that or something. Yeah, Sabu is still wrestling. Oh. Well, oh yeah. Maybe it was good for his neck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So after impressing higher-ups with his work, he was approached by Ric Flair and the WCW booking staff to become a member of the reformed Four Horsemen in 1995 along Flair, Arn Anderson, and Brian Pillman. He was brought in to add a new dynamic for Anderson Flair's tormenting of Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage in their alliance to end Hulkamania. Exciting times. Mm-hmm. During this time is when Benoit meets Kevin Sullivan. Sullivan was a member of the Dungeon of Doom who teamed up with the Four Horsemen for some events. He had a, quote, satanic persona and also a wife that was part of his shtick. She was the fallen angel, Nancy Sullivan. And they'd wear, quote, evil makeup and take scary pictures. And that was the extent of their satanism.
1: Can you, Mason, talk about women in wrestling a little bit? Are they always like part of the act? Are they wrestler? Like, what's up with, I, yeah. Well, like women in wrestling, like professional wrestling.
2: There's always been women wrestlers, you know, Fabulous Moolah and May Young, just to name a few, or name a couple. Um, there's always been f- female wrestling, but it's never really been very big until now, like two WrestleManias ago, like the women headlined WrestleMania, which oh, was really? like the first ever women were usually just valets, valets, you know, or a manager, but there was women wrestlers, but they were just kind of like mid card opening card opening the show type stuff. But now they are just, you know, as popular as the men for the most part, you know, China but- was the first like big one in as far as like wrestling goes, right? Physically, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Physically, you know, there were you know, like Wendy Richter was really big. She wrestled, um, the fabulous Moolah in one of the early WrestleManias with Cyndi Lauper by her side. Oh, right, so they were, they were, um, you know, women have always been, you know, right up there, but you know, recently it's really, really taken off. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, but it's just like, just like MMA, now, women in MMA was awful for a while. These not. You know, not a lot of talent, but now the women—they're taken seriously. So they, you know, they wrestle just as hard as the guys. Just like in MMA, they're like they headline UFC cards. Mm-hmm. You know, because they're they train just like the guys. Now they didn't in the old days.
1: But the fallen angel Nancy Sullivan, who mm-hmm. is uh, Kevin Sullivan's wife or yeah. partner, yeah, was she a wrestler?
2: No, she was just a valet. She was okay. just a really. So
1: when you say valet.
2: A manager Just a girl who comes oh, okay. out and like but you know, she's
1: kind of part of his act too right oh yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah
2: yeah they came out and she like distracts the baby face and she he, uh, kevin sullivan was a heel so she would give kevin sullivan the foreign object and hit the heel i mean hit the baby face with it that kind of thing you know how
1: do you, how do you feel about that i mean is it just added to the whole theater of it yeah, or of
2: oh yeah no it's yeah it's, it's cool <laughs> it's cool it's cool
0: So at some point, Sullivan, who also booked and wrote a lot of storylines for WCW, he scripted a feud between him and Benoit. I think at this time, Nancy dropped the fallen angel moniker and went simply by woman, the object of every man's desire. Mm -hmm.
1: Did you think she was hot?
0: No, totally. (laughs) (laughs) So Benoit and Nancy started a, quote, affair and we were forced to spend time together and make the affair look real. Like, hold hands as in public and share hotel rooms and stuff. Mm-hmm. And there's a bunch of, like, funny, you know, I what do you call it? Like, spots or whatever where they film, like, almost like commercials where they're, like, like in promos? bed. Yeah, yeah, like, in bed yeah. together. Yeah. And it's, like, really yeah. cheesy. Yeah. So, Benoit wasn't too keen on the idea of this affair because he was married to his first wife, Martina, who was pregnant at the time. Benoit had two children with his first wife. People say Sullivan, quote, booked his own divorce because not too long after starting this pseudo affair, the shit got real. Chris and Nancy fell in love for reals, and I'm sure that was a fun conversation Benoit had with Martina over that one.
1: But also, there was more to it than that, right? Was, Was it something with, like, Kevin Sullivan, like he was being accused of, like, abusing Nancy?
2: He was, but he denies it. Okay. completely and he's had no history of anything like that so i really i i don't i can't even comment it seems on a little it.
1: suspect yeah
2: reading on yeah.
0: some of the stuff
2: that kevin sullivan was saying during this time was like
0: him and nancy just kind of grew apart like naturally and yeah like yeah it was just kind of an inevitable thing they're going to d- get a divorce yeah so yeah it wasn't completely out of left field for him but i think for Benoit's wife it might have been just like what the fuck yeah.
1: yeah, but in in Dark Side of the Ring it really does kind of capitalize on Nancy being a victim of Sullivan's yeah. and like very much like like needing to leave Sullivan and Benoit being like her savior. Which kind of adds a whole extra element to it, too.
2: That's what they say. But, you know, I listened to a podcast with Kevin Sullivan. Kevin Sullivan, out of respect to Nancy, has never even spoken about the Benoit.
1: Wow. Ever.
2: Until after that episode. And he did um, a podcast with Jim Cornette. Jim Cornette is a Hall of Fame wrestling manager who has a really, probably the most popular podcast of wrestling podcasts right now. And he broke his silence after the dark side of the moon, I mean, dark, side of the moon <laughs> dark, dark side of the ring, and gave his side of the story. And um, you know, I can't really say verbatim what he said, but what it was very convincing. Yeah. That he was like, "I've never, you know, done anything like that, and no one ever accused me of that until you know, just recently, where it's become, you know, more of a
1: sensationalized, a, yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: And I, you know, I." i tend to believe him i don't i i don't know you know yeah and i mean
1: unfortunately (laughs) what we're gonna find out is she's not gonna be alive for much longer to tell her side of the story yeah yeah sorry she's dead spoiler alert
0: yeah (laughs) nancy became pregnant with their son daniel in november 23rd of the year 2000 and benoit and nancy got married friends say they've never seen chris so happy nancy too but in 2003 Nancy filed for divorce from Benoit citing the marriage as irrevocably broken and alleging cruel treatment. Is that true?
1: Irrevocably.
0: I I wasn't there. (laughs) (laughs) She claimed that he would break and throw furniture around. She later dropped the suit as well as the restraining order.
1: But isn't that what pro wrestlers do? (laughs) Yeah,
0: right? (laughs) Yeah, maybe he was just training. So we'll get back to Nancy and Daniel later. Let's talk about Eddie Guerrero for a sec. So Benoit became good friends with fellow wrestler Eddie Guerrero following a match in Japan when Benoit kicked Guerrero in the head and knocked him out cold. That's how that's how old
2: great relationships start, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, tell us what you know about Eddie Guerrero. Was he a good wrestler?
2: Oh yeah, he was. Uh, he was a great wrestler. I can't remember what was his.
1: Oh, his name. Yeah,
2: um, Latino Heat or something like that. He was, yeah, no, he was a real, a real character, and um, yeah, his. I think his niece is Sasha Banks in WWE. Mm. Now, I could be wrong, but um, yeah, he was, he was awesome.
0: So, Benoit and Guerrero become really close friends and traveled everywhere together. There's tons of photos of them together. Always, they're both always super happy, smiling. There's rumors that these two are more than friends, but we're not going there. What? Did <laughs> you yes. just throw that in there? That's what, you know, I went down a couple of rabbit holes, and you know how the fucking internet is. <laughs> Everyone's yeah. fucking gay. That's completely ridiculous. Yeah, I know. So professional wrestlers are basically always in pain from injuries to fatigue or from being on the road for so long. Some wrestlers are on the road for like 300 plus days of the year. Mm-hmm. It's fucking crazy. Mm hmm so many turn to drugs and alcohol for comfort and eddie guerrero unfortunately pills. yeah Uh-oh. pills over painkillers, killers yeah yeah uh so eddie guerrero g- went down that path and he had some dark days
2: they call it the sickness in pro wrestling once you get the sickness you're you know they pull you off tv they pull you off the road um oh, yeah. when you start getting super addicted to pills and drugs and the lifestyle so, I'm not sure how much into drugs Chris was.
1: Do you know?
2: Um, No, I don't know. Mm-mm.
1: It's not like a known, like, it's not no, like super No, popular.
2: no, he was, I, I'd never heard of him being a pillhead mm. or an alcoholic or anything like that.
0: But it sounds like things got pretty fucked up for Eddie for some time. So, Eddie Guerrero did come back from all that and turn that part of his life around. And on March 14th, 2004, at Mar- Madison Square Garden in New York City at WrestleMania 20... The main match for the SmackDown brand featured Eddie Guerrero versus Kurt Angle for the WWE Championship, which Guerrero won. Chris Benoit also won his match. The main match for the Raw brand was a triple threat match for the World Heavyweight Championship between champion Triple H, Shawn Michaels, and Chris Benoit.
1: Did you watch that fight? Uh,
2: I don't even know. I've seen so much. (laughs) I don't know if I saw that one or not. Probably. (laughs) Yeah,
1: probably. Probably.
0: Wrestling was always on at the house. Yes. <laughs> so, Benoit won, making Triple H submit via the Crippler Crossface, mm-hmm. resulting in his first and only world championship in the WWE.
1: What's the Crippler Cross... Is that a move?
2: Yeah, it's... Um, okay. It's not a turd, babe. What? <laughs> it's basically you. You're, um, your opponent's on their stomach, you're sitting on their back with your hands crossed over their chin, pulling their head up. Sounds nice. <laughs> <laughs> or actually, you know, you're not sitting on the opponent's. Y- you are sitting on the side of the opponent, like on the side of them, as they're on their stomach pulling their head up.
1: Oh. Yeah. Do you know uh, what the- Eddie Groh's signature move was?
2: Frog splash. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I
1: love yep. yep. Frog splash. Yep. <laughs> What's that?
2: Jumping off the top rope and uh, just, just landing right on your stomach on top of the guy. Oh. You know, with a lot of height not in it.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> the end of the night it was guerrero and benoit in the ring hugging with confetti and stuff and it was like the apex of guerrero's comeback or whatever from yep
1: yeah and like in the documentary chris benoit's son from a previous marriage said like he wished that chris benoit would have just died right there like he's like i wish my dad would have just died right there yep
2: yeah yeah
1: it would have been like at his peak yeah know? would yeah. you say that this is the peak of his yeah, career definitely yeah
0: on November 13th, 2000, or yeah, 2005, Guerrero was found unconscious in his hotel room. His nephew Chavo found him on the floor, and Guerrero died in his arms. This devastated Benoit. The next couple shows from the WWF were tributes to Eddie, with his fellow wrestlers paying respects, and when Benoit goes, uh, he totally falls apart. Super hard to watch. Guerrero's death changed Benoit. He became more reclusive, his friends would say. Not long after, another one of Benoit's close friends died. Was that, um... Brian Pillman?
2: Is that who it was? Brian, I think so, yeah. So,
1: do you know why Brian Pillman died or anything?
2: Drugs, same thing. I think he had a heart attack or OD'd or something. So it's fairly
1: common in the wrestling community to maybe, like, die young and have some serious drug addictions? Yeah. Dang.
2: So this totally
0: fucked up Benoit, and he was a changed man but he kept on wrestling, probably because it was the only thing he knew. He won several more titles and was slated to be the ECW world champion, but didn't show up to the event. The two days previous, Benoit didn't show up, and he said his family was vomiting blood. So when he didn't show up for the championship, viewers were informed that he was unable to compete due to a family emergency, and he was replaced in the title match by Johnny Nitro. On June 25th, 2007, Police entered Benoit's home in Fayetteville, Georgia, when WWE requested a welfare check after Benoit missed the weekend events without notice. The officers discovered the bodies of Benoit, his wife Nancy, and their 7-year-old son Daniel at around 2.30 p.m. Upon investigating, no additional suspects were sought by authorities. It was determined that Benoit had committed the murders.
1: Yeah, and it also is kind of interesting, too, because I heard that the police couldn't get into the house because he had, like, dogs Mm -hmm. that were really vicious. Yeah. And so they, like, asked the neighbor to do it or something. Did you hear that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then, so, actually, the first person to find the bodies was actually the neighbor. Yep.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, the police don't want to get bit, so they're like, here, here, citizen, get in there. (laughs) So over a three-day period, Benoit had, killed his wife and son before committing suicide himself his wife was bound before the killing and benoit's son was drugged with xanax and likely unconscious before benoit strangled him benoit then committed suicide by hanging himself on his lat pulldown machine that's crazy to just yeah. the whole thing's crazy yeah you? So WWE canceled the scheduled three-hour-long live Raw show on June 25th and replaced the broadcast version with a three-hour tribute to, his, to Benoit's life and career, featuring his past matches and segments from the Hard Knocks Chris Benoit story DVD and comments from wrestlers and announcers. They didn't know at this time that Benoit killed his family yet, just that he committed suicide. I think I heard from the last podcast on the left episode about this, that Vince McMahon heard about Chris killing his wife and son during this tribute to Benoit. And that
2: must've been pretty fucked up for him. Yeah.
1: Do you remember the day that this happened?
2: Oh yeah. Yeah.
1: What were, what was your thoughts?
2: Uh, well, we, no one really knew what was going on. Um, so we all, we just knew that he died. We didn't know he murdered his family. Mm. So we just thought it was, you know, just another tragic, drug overdose or, you know, heart attack or something like that.
1: Were there a lot of people, like, maybe thinking that he didn't kill his wife? Like, is there any kind of conspiracy around that or anything? Oh, yeah.
2: Yeah, there's a lot of people who don't believe it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It, do you know what the conspiracy might be to some extent?
2: That I don't know. They just think it might have been a burglar or something, oh, okay. you know. You know, but who who could kill Chris Benoit? Yeah, I mean, really. Yeah, It's <laughs> yeah, yeah, it like, who's going to take him out? You know, yeah. come on.
0: So toxicology reports released on July 17, 2007, revealed that at their time of death, Nancy had three different drugs in her system, Xanax, hydrocodone, and hydromorphone, all of which were found at therapeutic rather than toxic levels. Daniel was found to have Xanax in his system, which led to the chief medical examiner to believe that he was sedated before he was murdered. Benoit was found to have Xanax, hydrocodone, and an elevated level of testosterone caused by the synthetic form of the hormone in his system. There's no indication that anything in Benoit's body contributed to this violent behavior that led to the murder-suicide, concluding that there was no roid rage involved. After the double murder-suicide, former wrestler Christopher Nowinski contacted Michael Benoit, Chris's father, suggesting that years of trauma to his son's brain may have led to his actions. Tests were concluded on Benoit's brain by Julian Bales, the head of neurosurgery at West Virginia University. And results showed that Benoit's brain was so severely damaged, it resembled the brain of an 85-year-old Alzheimer's patient.
1: Alzheimer's.
0: That's why you're here, babe.
1: <laughs> and also, didn't like Vince McMahon try to use that wording... To make it seem like he had Alzheimer's, therefore it wasn't, like, his fault or anything. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. Like, I I don't think Vince McMahon is going to listen to this podcast so you can can speak freely. Did he do some shady-ass shit to kind of, like, shirk off any, like, responsibility over the years?
2: Well, Vince McMahon is always getting sued by... By uh, everyone. Everyone, but everyone <laughs> uh, for CTE. He's always like every uh, what's, every year. That's
1: the brain injury stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: So he's always getting sued. He just got sued recently. He, he you know, it got thrown out of court. But he's people are always going after him for being responsible. For... Do you
1: think he deserves it? No. Okay.
2: Because he's just one promotion. Yeah. You know, there's tons of wrestling promotions out there. He's just one of. Many. He's the number, the biggest one, but I mean, does the Roger Goodall is he responsible for all the all the guys in the NFL yeah. who have CTE? You know, it's just it's, right. it's the game. You yeah, know?
0: and it's like not, he's not making people wrestle or play football. It's like they're, they're they know to do the it. risks, you know.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Mm, I guess
0: it's like McDonald's having to fucking put on their coffee cups. Coffee hot. hot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, no shit.
1: But do you think Vince McMahon maybe did did he react appropriately in this in this case or do you feel like maybe well
2: probably not if he said you know he if that he said it, if he thought it was Alzheimer's I don't really remember that too well but I mean if yeah. he did say something like that you know he he yeah. I'm sure he knows better but he is a billionaire businessman
1: similar to yourself
2: yeah exactly <laughs> exactly
0: he's got a lot on his plate yeah. So, Benoit was reported to have an advanced form of dementia, similar to the brains of retired NFL players who had suffered multiple concussions. And uh, he sank into depression and harmed themselves or others, or I guess four other NFL players, rather. Bales and his colleagues concluded that repeated concussions can lead to dementia, which can contribute to severe behavioral problems. No shit. Uh, Benoit's father suggests that the brain damage may have been the leading cause of the crime. Yeah, I think you're right. Once the details of Benoit's actions became apparent, the WWE made the decision to remove nearly all mentions of Benoit from their website and from future broadcasts and all publications.
1: Did this event or like other events? Did it change like any rules with like wrestling or anything like that? Do you know?
2: No. It's it's
1: just as dangerous now as it was potentially 20 no, years ago. No. No.
2: Uh, in the I, if we're just going to speak about the WWE, there's so many promotions. Um yes. they don't do uh chair shots to the head anymore.
1: Okay. Did that it, die with Benoit?
2: It didn't die with Benoit. It just they just matured and were like this is unneeded to do some <laughs> this crazy stuff, you know. Yeah. So I think now, they
0: moved on to tables.
2: Well, you know, they, yeah, they, they put people through tables and they'll hit each other in the back with uh, chairs, but never, nothing to the head anymore.
1: Yeah. Is that a bummer for you? Mm, no. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you think?
2: What do I think happened with Benoit?
1: I mean, yeah. I mean, that's part of what we do on this podcast too, is we, you know, like we, we kind of hear the quote unquote facts. Yeah. And then you know, like if if your opinion differs or what you think happened, or if you feel like you know watching Benoit for years and maybe knowing a little bit about him,
2: yeah, no, maybe I think what
1: could have been going through his head.
2: I, I think that flying headbutt, he'd you know, did that for how many years? It says really twenty-two. It says here. Yeah, it's a according really to it's, my notes. it's a really dumb move. You're flying off the top rope and landing on your head. You know, if you're just doing that, you know, three hundred days a year you know, just taking a big hardcore Mike Tyson blow to the head every single day, you're gonna lose your mind, you know.
1: And then what do you think in terms of like the Guerrero and Pillman deaths, do you think that potentially contributed to it as well?
2: Uh yeah, yeah. I'm sure, you know, they had C you know, C T E um also and then tried to numb it with, you know, drugs and alcohol and you know, they got the sickness and OED and died and i'm sure it all started with pain from wrestling you know that's they get prescribed pills and then but they like get addicted. benoit
1: being affected by their deaths do you think that was maybe a trigger i
2: don't know um definitely he just never got over it from you know from what i've seen and what i've heard is that he just never got over it like most people when someone dies they grieve and you know they may always miss the person but they you know they Come to grips Learned. with it. Yeah. He just never came to grips with it. Every day was just as bad as the first day oh. with him. And mm-hmm. he was emotionally like a child because of, you know, I think from the flame headbutts for all those years, you know, he was just so brain damaged. He just never could get over it. He couldn't like this. His brain stopped working that way. So he was just a mess every single day. You know, every day was just as bad.
1: Yeah. But it does kind of make you wonder, like, if you're, you know having those holes in your brain and brain like what brings you to the brink of like, why murder your family?
2: Yeah. Yeah. You know? That I, that yeah, I, I know yeah. you can't answer that. Yeah. But... I, I honestly don't know. He was just in a really, really dark space and he probably just wanted to leave and get out and yeah, didn't and want to leave his family alone. Yeah. You know that's, what I mean? And you that know? is
1: total direct, like textbook definition of a family annihilator is like, There's the family annihilators who are like doing out of mercy. Like you could never live without me, you know? Yep. And then there's the family, you know, there's all kinds of different family annihilators. But I think he kind of falls in the camp of like, if I'm, do you think he falls in the camp of like, if I, do you think he was suicidal and he took his family with him? Or do you think that there was something else? Like, I mean, that it seems like maybe he was in the camp of like, he wanted to kill himself and didn't want to leave his family alone.
2: I almost think he went crazy one night, killed his wife in a rage, and then was like, well now I just have to kill everybody, you know, I can't now have I, my, oh, you know yeah, what yeah. I mean, like now yeah. I can't leave my son alone, who was handicapped. That makes sense. Um,
1: yeah, we didn't talk about his son too much, Did he had a learning, like a learning disability? disability?
2: Yeah, I'm not sure what it was, but I think he it was like, oh, I can't leave my son alone in this world, so... so
1: it, With his wife, it could have been out of rage, and then it may have been like out of mercy or like... Yeah. Or that kind of like... Yeah, like a mercy killing for his son and then suicide.
2: Yeah.
1: All right, final thoughts on wrestling, Mason.
2: Final thoughts on wrestling.
1: Are you going to do it?
2: Yeah. (laughs) Well, I'm 46 years old now, so
1: nope. So on your 50th birthday?
2: Um, Big match. No, no wrestling. No wrestling for me. I'll just be a fan. I'll just be a fan. But yeah. Do no. you
1: do you watch it like religiously every week?
2: I watch AEW every week. It's like the, the new promotion that is trying to jockey for the the number one spot with WWE. I it's,
0: haven't heard of that one before, so that's new, huh? Yeah,
2: it's owned by the owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars. So oh, really? it's like the only person who has as much money as Vince McMahon to like. Is that go football? Yeah. yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah.
2: yeah. So it's like the only the only promotion that could ever compete with Vince Man because he has this guy has deep pockets too. So I watch that. WWE is pretty pretty freaking bad these days.
1: Oh yeah? So, yeah. Like who's who are some of the wrestlers that are even around still?
2: From the old days that are still around.
1: Or that are notable, I guess.
2: Um. Well, The Undertaker just had his last match. Oh. Uh, yeah. How um, old is he? Oh, jeez, I don't know. He's got to be old, though. (laughs) You know, he's got to be... Has he
1: been around since, like, the 80s? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
2: Yeah, yep. Did
1: he ever fight Benoit?
2: You know, I'm sure they did wrestle. I can't think of the top of my head, but I'm sure they wrestled. I'm sure they wrestled. Yeah. But he's sort of still around. I mean, he just retired, but he's, you know, just recently retired. Yeah, as far as the old guys, Kane's still around. Um, Randy Orton's still around. Um the Rock comes back every once in a while, mm. makes special appearances.
1: What about Hulk? No, Has he done
2: anything no, in a while. He he makes special appearances on WWE. He just comes and out like, and sex like sex tapes. Sex tapes, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He doesn't really do it. He's really old. He, you know. I had
1: a really big crush on Hulk Hogan growing up. Really, I, don't know. I know. My crushes were very weird. Cato, Kaelin, Hulk Hogan. Cato, Caitlyn. <laughs> Yeah, she's... Kato Kalen, You remember Kato oh, Kalin, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. I think I liked that kind of washed up rockery blonde vibe thing. She
2: still does. I can, say, I, I, I can, see, I can see the washed up rocker thing.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and also um, Sebastian Bach, but he's still hot. Like, he's very good looking, even you to this day. You think so? To this day, he's still good looking. He's still he's so looking. bloated. Oh, I don't know, man. Uh, I mean, he's no you, but.
2: Oh, no, who is? <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, never gonna do the professional wrestling. No, now? Okay. no, really, not, Amy. No. <laughs> I want to see a match right now. You're gonna do the turtle smash <laughs> or whatever. She's, just a, she's,
2: she's, a, she's admiring Rob the body She just can't imagine me not wanting to wrestle. I think she just <laughs> wants to see you in tights. True. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, and also when we were watching it the other night, they I. They do. They do speedos, shorts, or pants. Which, if you were a professional wrestler, pants. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: pants. What about you, Kevin? Uh, smile.
1: <laughs>
0: I'll wear a smile. That'll be my uh, my tactic. So, like, no one wants to touch me. I'll just be naked. <laughs> nice. Yeah, yeah. I win every match. Easy money.
2: Chris, but I wore pants. Just so you. Oh, know. okay. Yeah.
1: D- wait, that's more of a it's classic the Canadian thing,
0: right?
2: thing to do. <laughs> Trunks are like the old classic. Oh wait, Hulk Hogan classic. wore trunks, little Speedos, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. they don't yeah. trunks, but yeah, oh trunks, yeah, yeah. Because but,
1: there's also like the little hot shorts too, though.
2: Yeah, that's more of a the, newer the thing.
1: Oh, oh, that's the newer yeah. thing. Okay, yeah. Well, I just had to ask my questions about their attire.
2: <laughs> of course, he's asking what kind of underwear they're wearing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Do they wear underwear? Mm,
2: I Have know. there
1: ever been slip-ups, like with costumes?
2: Yeah, I've never. Like a hip uh, slip.
1: Well, I think they're all nipple all the time. A dick slip? I've
2: never seen a dick slip. Oh, okay. Never heard of a dick slip either.
1: Oh, okay. They must really have that on lockdown.
2: Yeah.
0: These guys are pros, babe. (laughs) So you can join our True Crime Dumpster Facebook group. Follow us on Twitter at TC Dumpster and on Instagram, True Crime Dumpster. You can email us at True Crime Dumpster at gmail.com. Listen to our show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, Spotify, and now YouTube and there's some other platforms out there just look for the dumpster don't forget to rate, review, subscribe and tell your friends about our podcast every review, rating, and referral helps us to get a larger audience tune in next time as we continue talking out the trash
1: and also if you're ever in Portland and want to go see Mason's Muscles and Strippers you Mm. can go to Club Desire on Columbia
2: (laughs) there we go (laughs) yep Desire 535 Northeast Columbia Boulevard, Portland, Oregon anything else you want to say? I think I'm good. I think we're good guys. I think we're good. That's a wrap by dumpster by Dumpster World.